Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88000. Man, it's good to see you guys. After this last week and the heat and all that, how many of y'all are thankful every once in a while God sends us a few days that reminds us that we're really glad that we're not going to hell? Amen? Amen. Come on now. That'll, that'll drive the hell right out of you. That heat will. But I will say, I, I just I made a mistake, though. On Friday, I, most of y'all know I don't spend a lot of time like in, in offices and stuff. I like being out in coffee shops and that type of thing. So I was in one of the coffee shops I hang out with. And, uh, and as soon as I walked in, the, the, the ladies, the baristas that were back there, uh, they say, hey, how are you doing today? And I'm like, baked. <laughs> and the, so the girl that didn't know me looked at me like I was her new best friend. And, and, and the girl that did know me looked very concerned. <laughs> and once I realized like what the look was on their face, I was like, I mean, by the sun. By the, it's hot outside, all right? That's what I mean, just baked by the sun. And then I walked up to the counter and she's like, well, what can I do for you today? I'm like, I'm just really hungry. I'm like, I'm not helping my case at all. Uh, it's just not, it's not going good. How many of y'all know it's important to have people that know you and understand where you're at in life, amen? And that's what today is all about because we recognize that we, we may worship in rows, but we're gonna learn best in circles. We're gonna have to have relationships with people and so that's what I wanna to talk to you about today. Uh, I wanna share this scripture that kind of drive home the purpose. And Ecclesiastes, by the way, if you're looking for a really encouraging, uplifting book in the Bible, Ecclesiastes is not where you wanna go. <laughs> but it is a good exhortation, chapter four, verse seven. I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. You see what I'm saying? This is the case of a man who is all alone without a child or brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless and depressing. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. What he is saying is when it all boils down, the most important thing in life is gonna be relationships. I've done so many funerals, and I just wanna tell you this, at every one of those funerals, the only thing that we're talking about is relationships. All the other accolades, all the other successes of life and all that, they really won't matter that much. At the end of it, it's gonna be relationships, and relationships are the only thing that we get to take with us into eternity. So we have to get this right. So today I wanna talk to you about five friends that you must make and that we hope sincerely that you can make in this church. I used to live in, in Greystone a few years ago and anybody, if you've ever driven through Greystone, you know that it is not flat. And it was towards the tail end of the pandemic and I was like, I used to run a lot uh, and, and so I was like, I wanna try running again. I wanna, I wanna do this, you know? And so 
I got out there and I started running. And here's the thing. If you just drive in a car all the time, you really don't understand how hilly hilly is. Like the only way you really understand how hilly something is, is if you get out on your feet and actually like walk it. And so I get out there and I realize immediately I made a horrible decision to try to start running again, especially if I'm just gonna start running there in Greystone because it is so hilly and like big, steep hills. And so I got to a point where I was like, this is, this is not working. I'm like, okay, well, at least I'm gonna, what I can do is I'll walk up the hills and then I'll run down the other side, right? I'll just do that. Well, a few days later, probably one of you may even be in this service right now. Somebody saw me at church, like, man, I was driving through Greystone, man, and I saw you running, man. You are fast. You are a really good runner. And I want to tell you, I just have to admit right now that I did not tell them that I was walking up every hill and just running down the other side. I was like, yeah, you know, I, was, I used to be a pretty big runner, you know, back in the day, and I just started to pick it up again, you know, and so... They're like, man, you're just so fast. I'm like, you know, just you got when you got it, you got it, you know. But but the truth is, some of us look like that in life, you know. It may look like we're just cruising along, but but this is what I, I want to encourage you, challenge you, exhort you with, and you can write this down. Anything of value in your life will take some amount of uphill effort. Whether it's physical or spiritual or relational. If it's going to have value in your life, it's gonna take a certain amount of uphill effort. You're gonna to have to put in some work. What's so amazing is God helps us and he sent his Holy Spirit as the great helper to help us in those seasons. But one of the things that I see so often is a lot of people who have uphill hopes, but they have downhill habits. What I mean by that is they have these uphill hopes that they have these high, lofty, great dreams, big aspirations, but their habits are not putting in the work to get them actually closer to God's plan and purpose towards actually accomplishing what he has for them. And what you see is as we form habits over time, those habits begin to form and shape us. And this happens relationally as well. Whatever habit that you have around relationships and friendships, it's shaping you. You wanna know what you're gonna be in five years, 10 years, just show me your friends and I'll know. I'll know what you're gonna look like. One of the reasons why this is so important as a believer, you must begin forming the uphill habit of making life-giving godly friends. The reason? Satan will lie to you more around the area of relationships as a believer than he ever tried to lie to you before you were a believer. He'll try to convince you. Here's some of the lies. You don't really need this. You've got your family. You've got your kids. They don't like you. You're really not that important. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. They're nothing like you. They are so uptight and boring. They'll never understand your struggles. Your pain, your struggle is unique to you. Nobody else will understand it. 
And all these lies are designed to put you in a place where you're alone and isolated because then you're really easy to pick off and take out. David spent his life making some amazing life-giving friends, but he wasn't just good at making friends. He was good at being that friend. When he was in the season of his lowest point, which we're gonna look at today in our text in 2 Samuel chapter 15 and 16. He's being betrayed by his own son, Absalom, who is out to kill him, but not just kill him, but kill anybody who served and led with him. And you can imagine how painful that would be. But in that season, David needs a lot of things. He needs military support, he needs financial support, he needs a word from the Lord. And God gives David these five friends. They come into the spotlight, they're named, but each one of them serve a different purpose. And that's what I wanna talk about. Let's go to our main text, 2 Samuel chapter 15, starting in verse 13. A messenger came and told David, the hearts of the people of Israel are with Absalom. Then David said to all his officials and those who were with him in Jerusalem, come, we must flee or none of us will escape from Absalom. We must leave immediately, or he will move quickly to overtake us and bring ruin on us and put the city to the sword. The king's officials answered him, your servants are ready to do whatever our Lord the king chooses. The king set out with his entire household following him, but he left 10 concubines to take care of the palace. So the king set out with all the other people following him, And they halted at the edge of the city and all of his men marched past him along with the Kerithites, the Pelethites and the 600 Gittites who had accompanied him from Gath marched before the king. Okay, so that's the setup and the context. Here come the friends. The first one is the covenant friend, the covenant friend. And his name is Ittai. Verse 19 The king said to Ittai the Gittite, why should you come along with us? Go back and stay with King Absalom. You are a foreigner and exile from your homeland. You came only yesterday and today I shall make you wonder about with us when I do not know where I'm going. Go back, take your people with you. May the Lord show you kindness and faithfulness. But Ittai replied to the king, as surely as the Lord lives, And as surely my Lord, the King lives, wherever my Lord, the King may be, whether it means life or death, there will your servant be. A covenant friend. What does that mean? Covenant means I'm here with you in this storm from the very beginning to the very end, no matter what it costs me, whether it's comfort, money, reputation. It actually says life or death. This is the definition of ride or die. Here's the thing, in our lives, we will make, especially in this culture, we will make a lot of fair weather friends. And if you're not sure what a fair weather friend looks like, just go buy a ski boat. They will reveal themselves. (laughs) I hope I didn't just mess up some friendships in here. Like first service, we were like leaning over like, hey, we love you, whether you have a boat or not, we promise, you know. Or just have a truck and a trailer. Then all of a sudden, you're gonna have all kinds of friends, especially if somebody needs to move, right? But you're gonna have to have a covenant friend. Here's what's interesting. How long does does the text say that Ittai had been with him? 
a day, 24 hours. So what, I wanna give you a secret to spotting a covenant friend. It's called divine flow. It's called divine flow. Sometimes you'll be with someone at a life group or at a dinner and all of a sudden that friendship begins accelerating. Like one dinner can feel like you've known somebody for six months or a season at a life group can feel like you've known someone for a lifetime. And that's something that only God can really do. But I do believe he wants to do it. In Proverbs 17, 17, it says, a friend loves at all times, a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times, and then that friend turns into something much more than a friend. They turn into a brother or sister. And when you have something like that, it's really actually stronger than blood because the spirit of God and both of you tie you together to one another. The covenant friend. The next one is the spiritual friend. And in the text, it's a guy named Zodak or Zadok. Second Samuel 15, 24. Then there was Zadok also. And all the Levites with him, bearing the ark of the covenant of God. So Zadok hears that, God, that David is in trouble. And out of all the things that he could have brought to David, Zadok brings the ark, which represents the presence of God. Out of all the things he could have brought, Zadok knows what David needs more than anything right now is the presence of God. That's a spiritual friend, someone that shows up with a word from God, someone that shows up with a scripture, somebody that shows up with a promise to claim, with a prayer. The spiritual friend helps you with the battle that's in the spiritual realm first. They come along and say, look, you're, you're facing a lot of things, but we've gotta really zero in on where the real fight is happening, and that's in the spiritual. We gotta go there first. And you need one or two of these friends in your life. And the reason why I say that is because these friends are typically a little spooky. And you don't need 10 to 15 spooky friends in your life, okay? But you do need like one or two of these types of people. Like every time they start praying, you're thankful that they're praying, but you're also looking around to make sure you're in a safe space. Because these people, man, they, they will pray with you in the middle of the darkest day of your life. And you're thankful for those prayers. You're just not gonna hand them a microphone. We've had a lot of these friends over the course of our life. When Cody and I first got married early on, we tried to surround ourselves with different couples and one of the families that we had proximity to, they were named the Shepherds. And the Shepherds, they were an amazing godly couple, but they were known for having an anointing to pray for people to get pregnant. And the evidence of that anointing was in their own life. They had 12 kids, okay? So people would, would, would drive from around the country and come in and have the Shepherds pray over them so that they could get pregnant. So I went to Cody and I said, Cody, if the shepherds are in the same room as you, I want you to be on the opposite side of the room from wherever they are. You stay away from them. If they start walking towards us, we are gonna grab whatever couple is near us and push them towards them so they get pregnant. Because I was not ready for all of that at that point, but the truth is, these spiritual people, 
anointed by God, intercessors, filled with the Holy Spirit, operating in his gifts, ready to prophesy, ready to declare, understand the power of the truth of the word of God. You gotta have some of those in your life. You gotta have them. They're the type of people that will drop everything and start praying for you. They will fast, pray, and ride straight into hell with a water pistol on your behalf. You gotta have a spiritual friend. The, second, the next friend is this, the confidant. Who's shy? Who's shy? Verse 32, when David arrived at the summit where the people used to worship God, Hushai, the archite, was there to meet him. His robe was torn, dust on his head. David said to him, if you go with me, you'll be a burden to me. But what he's meaning by that is not like, oh, you're just such a hassle. It's more like, I can see that you're broken with me but I don't need to enter into more brokenness right now. I need to be able to lead. So the best way for you to help me is to do this. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, your majesty, I will be your servant. I was your father's servant in the past, but now I will be your servant. Then you can help me frustrate Ahithophel. Ahithophel's advice. Cody tried to help me like pronounce that name. Like, ahay, ahi, fell, ahi fell. Just say, ahi fell, but he's okay. He got up, he's all right now. <laughs> and it helped for like 20 minutes and then I butchered it again. So it is what it is, let's move on. Verse 37, so Hushai's, David's confidant arrived at Jerusalem as Absalom was entering the city. Okay, so he's a confidant because he, he trusts him. He trusts him to go back to his son, who is right now his greatest enemy, and essentially kind of like try to soften and work around that situation to be an advocate for him, to be an advocate for David. One of the things about confidants is they're almost always great counselors as well. They can give incredibly good advice. You can entrust secrets and burdens and hurts and all that to confidants. But there's not a lot of people like this. They're precious, they're valuable. So when you find them, you need to invest in them. David needs this and so do you. You need someone in your life that you can unload everything with, including that last 3% that's really embarrassing. You need these people. But... You need a lot of wisdom and discernment when you're picking this friend. In Proverbs eleven thirteen 13, it says, a gossip betrays a, conf a confidence, but a trust trustworthy person keeps a secret. The truth is gossip has hurt the body of Christ way more than persecution ever has. And you can see it, especially in our culture right now, social media perpetuates this. Unfortunately, what social media does is it puts you in a position where you can share information about other churches, other leaders, other organizations, and you feel like, oh, I'm just sharing information. But the fact of the matter is this, that if you aren't in a position with a title or place where you can bring about positive change in any one of those situations, and you're perpetuating and sharing that information, whether you intended to or not, you just entered into gossip. And so you have to be careful because we live in a culture where it's hard to find people that you can really trust with information. 
really, really trust him. This is one of the things that I appreciate about Cody, my wife, is when somebody comes and talks to her, she is like a vault. She will lock it down. She will lock it down. So much so that sometimes some of you will go and share something with her, and then you'll see me a little while later, and you'll try to pick up right where you left off with Cody, and I won't have any idea what you're talking about. But that should be encouraging to you because it means that you can take your greatest pain to her and she's gonna take it to the most important and the only person that accounts and that's Jesus. And she's just gonna pray. You can trust her. The fact is some people use information as a weapon. Some people use information as currency to try to get ahead. But a confidant, here's some definitions. You might wanna write these down is someone who is secure in who they are in Christ. They love, big, they love big, but they are meek. They're meek in character. They look to add value to people. They have a life worth imitating. And last but certainly not least, they are not an idiot on social media. All of us need a confidant. The next friend, the hospitable friend, Ziba. In 2 Samuel chapter 16, starting in verse one, then David had gone, when David had gone a short distance beyond the summit, there was Ziba, the steward of Mephibosheth, waiting to meet him. He had a, straw, a string of donkeys saddled, loaded with 200 loaves of bread. Come on, a good friend knows when you need some carbs. A hundred cakes of raisins, that doesn't sound good to me, but maybe it was good back then. And a hundred cakes of figs because maybe David wasn't regular at that point. I don't know. And a skin of wine. Then King asked Ziba, why have you brought these? Like, what, why this? Because Ziba, he's the hospitable friend. The, this is the friend that knows how to look after the tangible, practical needs in your life. And they have such a keen sense of awareness and, and they're intuitive. Ziba could predict what David would need before David knew he needed it. And they are oftentimes, man, like the party waiting to happen. Some people say, where's the party at? And then other people say, um, I'm the party. Like, I'm here. But that's a gift of hospitality. A friend that shows up and makes anywhere feel like home. And the early church thrived on people with this gift. These are the friends that show up when life is spiraling and they will say things like, when's the last time you ate? What'd you eat? When's the last time you slept? How much did you sleep? Some people, they will be cordial. They'll say nice things like, hey, if you need anything, don't hesitate to call. But let's be honest, that's just being a sweet Southerner. And then other people, they're the type of people, they ring the doorbell and they say, clear the counter. I've got a hot casserole coming in hot. Let's do this. They start meal trains, drop off diapers, show up to help wash dishes, do laundry, put a new tire on your car. They fill the tangible gaps. And here's the thing, a lot of times this gift or these attributes get attached to or attributed to women, 
But the fact is, I believe there are a lot of redneck men that are an inch away from this right now. And I see you with your grills that you have to pull around behind your truck. I see you and we need you. Step into it. The last but not least, the hitman. The hitman, Joab. Skipping ahead to chapter 19, verse five. Then Joab went into the house of the king and said, today you have humiliated all of your men who have just saved your life and the lives of your sons and daughters, the lives of your wives and concubines. Let's pause there just to give some context. At this point, Absalom has been killed. He's been killed. The guy that's out to hunt him down and kill him, he's been killed. And David falls apart. Of course, it's his son, so you would understand that. But David stops leading. He stops leading and he's mad and he's depressed and he's upset, but he's wallowing in it. And so Joab is coming to kind of give him a wake-up call. You love those who hate you and you hate those who love you. You've made it clear today that the commanders and their men mean nothing to you. I see that it would, you would be pleased if Absalom were alive today and all of us were dead. Now go out and encourage your men. I swear by the Lord that if you do not go out, not a man will be left with you by nightfall. This will be worse for you than all the calamities that have come on you from your youth till now. So the king got up and he took his seat at the gateway. The gateway were the elders, the leaders. It was, it was representative of their authority, but it was also where people were coming in and out. It's basically when you're there, you're saying, okay, I'm ready to lead. I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to do whatever God asked me to do. Joab was the friend that would wait around till everyone else had left and would say something like, okay, now what do you really wanna do? What's really going on? A lot of times they're the friend that is saved, but just barely saved, right? You gotta have a couple of those. We keep a lot of those guys around here. They make great ushers and security guys, all right? Joab was one of the very few people in David's life that was willing to confront him when he saw that things were off. He was willing to hold him accountable, even the king. Do you have a friend like that in your life that'll challenge you, call you out? Someone that will ask you the really hard questions and tell you the hard things. Someone that loves you enough that every once in a while they let iron strike iron even if there's a bunch of sparks flying because they love you. Most importantly, they love God's purpose and plan in your life. These are some of the friends that I think as believers, we need to pursue. We need to have these friends. One of the things I would say though, is there are some of you in this room right now it may be that you've been stiff arming this message from the very beginning. And it may be because you feel like I'm good. I got my crew, which is really just your family. And you'd say, we're good. 
But the problem is you don't have any outside counsel, any outside perspective, anybody from the outside. And the problem is when you're completely isolated to your own little environment, even with your family, you don't grow. It's hard to grow spiritually in that place. But some of you, you've had hurt from the past. Like I tried to open myself up before to this and it didn't work out and I got rejected. So I'm not willing to do it. My prayer for you is that you would take on one of the most important characteristics of Jesus. And that is the characteristic of being unoffended. If you still are carrying around hurt from previous relationships and previous seasons where people weren't the kinds of friends that you needed, the fact is you have got to speak out forgiveness. Let the spirit of God come and heal you because if you don't, you will be caught in a cycle of setting people up to fail you over and over again for the rest of your life and you'll never true, find true fulfillment in relationships. You've got to find that healing. But I would say to some of you, because I've been in this season of life where I was like, okay, God, this is the friend I need. I'll just wait. And sometimes there is seasons where you just trust and wait. But when you're trusting and waiting, it doesn't mean that you're just complacent and apathetic. So for some of us, what we need to do is, the word from the Lord might be, while you're waiting for that friend, go and be that friend to someone else. Take initiative, take initiative. As long as you're stuck in your own head and your own feelings around this whole subject, the enemy is gonna kick your tail. So get your eyes up and see a need around you and go be the friend that you so desperately need. Go be that friend to someone because what I've learned in my own life, as soon as I take that initiative and I step out, that's when those divine flow relationships start coming in because misery loves company, but so does the spirit of God. And when the spirit of God is operating in two people and they're both aiming at the same thing, then the Spirit of God sometimes will bring those people together and it'll be that divine flow, that divine connection. Only God can give it and it's amazing. But the other thing I'd say is sometimes the only way you're gonna find that, you're gonna have to start removing and distancing yourself from the toxic relationships that might be around your life. It isn't to say that you shun them, reject them, never talk to them again. You can still be friends with them because you're still called to be salt and light. But you shouldn't be living around those people, letting them influence your spiritual growth and pace. At some point or another, you're gonna have to find somebody that's running the same speed you are towards the kingdom of God. And if there's people that aren't kept, are keeping up or some people that aren't running at all, you can pray for them, you can love them, but they're not the people that you need to surround yourself with. You're gonna to have to find biblical community where you're all aimed at one thing and that is bringing glory to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and fulfilling your purpose while you're here on this earth. You've gotta find that. You gotta have it. Some of us, as we're praying for these relationships, what's really important is we identify which one of these friends are we? Which one of these friends are we? And be a good one. Be a good one. Don't become weary in doing well. Whatever kind of friend God has designed you to be, be that friend. Be that friend. The great thing is when you're surrounded with biblical community and people that love you, you're never wondering, which one of these am I? 
because they'll tell you. They'll help you identify. So maybe if you don't know and you are in a life group, a biblical community, it's like, guys, I don't know. I'm kind of leaning towards this, but what do you think? And then whatever that is, be the best one that you can possibly be by the grace of God and the power of his spirit. Amen? Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Father, thank you for being here. I do ask practically, Lord, that you would help people find groups. But Lord, I know there's spiritual work sometimes that has to happen. So Father, for any person in this room that is struggling with maybe unforgiveness or bitterness or hurt or pain from past relationships and past experiences where they try to open up and it didn't work out. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come right now as a great counselor, reveal to them their offense, reveal to them their unforgiveness. And God, even if they have to, even now, or maybe with some of our prayer team, God, would you give them the strength to even confess out loud maybe even speak some names out loud that they need to forgive. And would you, Holy Spirit, be that physician that helps identify the areas of our lives where we're being held back. Maybe it's pride or the passive aggressive form of pride and security that's keeping us from both stepping into who you've called us, anointed us and gifted us to be, but also keeping us from serving your body, from serving your kingdom. Reveal those things, God. And even as we worship here again a little bit, God, would you help us to see the things that we picked up, that we allowed to come in, those things that have tried to attach themselves to us. And as we declare just Jesus, I pray that you would bring deliverance in this room to people. The fact is some of you, as I talk about things like a life-giving relationship, these attributes of friendships and relationships, some of you, you might've seen some of those in glimpses and short seasons of your life, but the truth is you feel completely empty of what it means to truly have these kinds of relationships. And there is a chance that the reason why you feel that is because you've never started with the most important relationship. And that's your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with your heavenly father. And so I wanna give you an opportunity because the fact is from the day you drew breath for the first time, you first and foremost are created to know him and to be known by him, to have relationship, a personal, real, intimate relationship with your creator, God. And if you know you don't have that, here's some indicators. You're unfulfilled. You feel empty. You don't have real peace. You don't have real joy. You don't have real confidence at all about your eternity and where you'll spend it. And if you feel any of those things, there's a good chance 
It's the Holy Spirit trying to work and saying, let's start with the most important relationship that you were created to have right now. And if you're in that place and you're one of those people, I wanna pray with you. The word says, if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross, rose again, then you can be saved. And I wanna just give you a chance to confess it. As a sign of you saying, that's me, I know that I need him. I want you to put your hand up right now across this room. I need Jesus, I'm away from him. I need a relationship with him. Raise your hand and then make eye contact with me. Yes, ma'am. You got it. You can put your hand down. Got you, bro. Thank you. Got you. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Yes. Anyone else? I got you, big man. I got you. Yes, sir. Thank you. I've been praying for you the whole service. The Lord always tells me to find somebody and try to speak to them like they're sitting in my living room. You're who the Lord told me to speak to. So thank you for being bold, obedient. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God loves you. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? I'm ready to call on Jesus. I got you, bro. Yes, sir. Some of you, it's just like, man, I thought I made that at one point or another. And you're getting hung up on well, I went through the motion, so it must be done. Pay attention to what the Spirit of God is speaking to you right now, more than what you think you know about your past. And if you know that you need to call on Him right now, do it. Don't worry about the past. He's speaking to you right now. Anyone else? I need to call on Jesus. Got you. Anyone else? I got you, bro. Thank you, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anyone else? Got you. I got you. Thank you. Like, just so you know, we don't believe that you raising your hand is what gets you saved. But it is, a, it's a symbol. It's you saying, I'm, I'm willing, I'm, I'm gonna be humble enough to admit I need Jesus right here. You confessing, I need him. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Thank you, bro. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Got it. As the Holy Spirit works, we are not in a rush. Because salvation is eternity and it is worth the wait if we need to. Anyone else? I'm ready to call on Jesus. I'm ready to surrender my life to him as my Lord and Savior. Hmm. Okay. Is that it, Lord? So we're just gonna pray together because whether this is the first time you've ever prayed this prayer or maybe the first time in a long time, the reality is 
that you're getting ready to become a part of God's family. You're getting ready to become a part of the body of Christ. And so we wanna support you even now in making that decision. So let's all pray together. And like I've asked you so many times, please pray with some boldness and some volume because somebody around you might need that right now. Let's pray together. Repeat, say, Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. But I believe you died on the cross for me, for my sin. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you rose from the grave. So my sin is defeated. Death is defeated. So I can live for you for the rest of my life. Thank you for heaven, but I wanna live now. Show me your purpose. Lead me by your spirit. Help me understand your word. Help me find my people. Father God, I thank you so much for every person that just prayed that prayer. And we welcome them by your spirit. We welcome them. In. We're so thankful for your faithfulness, God. And God, as we get ready to worship you, if there's any work that you still need to do, if there's any pride, if there's any resentment, God, I pray that you would break through it and help those people get free. Even if it means them coming forward and confessing, God, do it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand for all those people that made decisions for him? And God is so good.